Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. John 15 and verse 4. Are you ready for this word today? Amen. John 15 and 4. Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for today. Thank you for your word. I need your help completely. I'm asking you to fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit and to share your heart with your people today. Help me to stay out of the way. Help me to hear you and to say what you're saying to each one. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 (laughs) That sounded good. I've got a question before we jump into this. Uh, Do your kids ever steal your phone? (laughs) Chris. Do they, uh, and even, this this is what really gets me. Even if they have their own phone, can I get a witness? They steal your phone. Their phone will be next to them on the couch. And you walk in and you say, do you have my phone? Yes. What's next to you? That's my phone. Why are you on my phone? Jeremy. (laughs) Why are you on my phone? They take your phone. They take your tablet. They take your computer. They take all of your devices. And sometimes you don't know. And then when you go looking for it, you find it dead. You find it dead exactly when you need it, like Rose's iPad on Sunday mornings. Come on, somebody. You find it dead. And then sometimes early in the morning, you have to wake a child up and say, Where is the charger? Where is the charger? It's funny because it seems like children, that their life's mission is to keep your devices depleted of all charge. It seems that they want to make it as difficult as possible that your phone is dead or nearly dead, and at the most inconvenient times. 
Now, the worst thing is this. The worst thing is that they get your device, and then they return it, and you're not paying attention to how much of your charge that they used. And in your mind, you had it charged. Your battery was full. And in your brain, it's full. And then you're getting ready to do something, and you look down, and your phone is getting ready to die. And you're thinking, how did this happen? And then you remember who had the phone. They keep them depleted. You don't even realize. Because, you know, if you have a charge, that charge will last for hours. Sometimes that charge will last into the next day. And so you might not even realize that you're running on empty. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? Sometimes your phone starts to act a little funny when it's close to empty. Or sometimes it doesn't act funny. It just dies suddenly. You see the little circle come up, and it goes black, and then it's just gone. Here's one of the most frustrating things. You need the device right now. You need it to work right now, so you plug it in. But when you plug it in, you can't use it immediately because it has been so drained, it has to build up a charge before you can even turn it on to operate basic functions. So after you plug it in, now you have to wait and deal with downtime because it was so dead. If there was just one thing, I don't think this is going to be a long word. It will be a strong word, but I don't think it's going to be a long word. If there was only one thing that I could tell believers going into a new year, and really, regardless of what time of year that we would preach this, if there's one thing that I could tell believers that are trying to get on track, that are trying to make changes in their life, that are trying to do this thing right, it would be simply this. Make time every day to get plugged in. You going to help me this morning? Make time every single day day to get plugged in. At the end of every single night before I go to sleep, I plug this in on the nightstand, by the nightstand. I plug it in, not because it's dead, but because it's well on its way. Not because it isn't working, but because I know it isn't full. Because I know that it isn't full. If I could tell believers just, if, if they said, you've got 10 seconds, you can tell them one thing. Make time every day to get plugged in. You see, sometimes you don't realize that you've run your battery down. Because when you get a charge... It does last for hours. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm preaching better than you're acting. This is good. When you do get a charge, it's amazing how long you can run on a Sunday before you realize you haven't been eating for yourself. 
A lot of Christians living their lives trying to be fed by the preacher instead of eating at home. I'm not supposed to feed you. I'm just supposed to lead you. Do you hear me what I'm telling you? I'm supposed to give you direction. I'm supposed to give you a charge, but you're supposed to eat for yourself. You cannot live off of one Sunday meal. You know, used to, Grandma would cook every Sunday. Everybody went to Grandma's house on a Sunday years ago, and they got out the good china and everything. But a person could not live off of one good meal on Sunday. You've got to eat every day. You've got to pick up a fork and a knife and feed yourself every single day. Sometimes you don't realize that you have run your battery down because of the charge you did have, and you're not paying attention to how close it really is. But then it starts acting funny when it gets close to empty. You ever notice? Stuff starts to feel a little off. Things just aren't working. Your mind is a little cloudy, and you're not putting two and two together at first. You say, what? This, this is not usually how this is. Where did, I had more joy than this yesterday. Where did I put my joy? I had some peace around here somewhere. Where did I put my peace? Where did I put my, where did I put my clarity of mind? This problem usually doesn't bother me. I, I, usually I have problems, but problems don't have me. I can have a bad day, but a bad day does not get to have me. Where is that joy? Where is that peace? And you say, oh, yeah, I haven't plugged in since last Friday. I haven't plugged in since Sunday morning. I'm running on someone else's charge. I'm running on the praise and worship team instead of my relationship with God. No preacher can have your relationship with God for you. No praise team can have your relationship with God. For you. Nobody praying for you can have your relationship with God for you. You've got to pray for yourself. You've got to worship for yourself. You've got to read for yourself. You've got to fast for yourself. You've got to talk to God. Get plugged in. Somebody give God some praise. You've got to get plugged in. Make time every day to get plugged in. To get plugged in. It starts acting funny. When it gets close, or it dies suddenly when you need it. It dies suddenly when you need it. It's amazing how many Christians are running on emotion and calling it spirituality. Come on, somebody. We got one back here. I saw a post just in the last few days. I don't remember where it came from. And I was thinking about it this morning. Years ago, let me, let me preface it with this. Years ago, I was standing in a, a church service of a church that had really, really wonderful music. Wonderful, exciting music. And as I looked around the room and I saw people praising, I saw their hands up. And I saw them jumping up and down and dancing and shouting and running. And I was going through kind of a hard time in my life, and I was concerned because I thought, why am I not feeling what they're feeling? Why am, why am I not, why don't I have this that they have? And I remember that there was a special guest speaker that night. He was the state overseer, the state bishop of that denomination, and he had come to visit that church and to speak, and I happened to be sitting really close to him. And I, I mentioned this to him, and he was an old man. He had been at this for years and years and years and years, and he said, I want you to pay attention to something. 
he said, as you see the people raise their hands and all these things happening, he said, pay attention to what the music is doing. He said, pay attention to what they do when the music gets loud and when the music gets quiet. He said, pay attention when the drums get fast. He said, pay attention. He said, I'm not suggesting there's anything wrong with their response. He said, but all I am saying is that some of it has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. He said, they don't have anything that you don't have. He said, some of them might just be reacting to the music, just like in any concert. So I saw this post the other day, and the post dealt with, I I wish I could remember exactly how it worded it, are you really worshiping? Are you really worshiping? And it went on to say, those that love to worship, it, it told them to pay attention. Do you need a certain music to worship? Do you need a certain song to worship? And so many people, they cannot worship unless it's the right sound or the right song. Listen, the storms that God has brought me through, the hell that I have faced and God preserved me and brought me out on the other side, the losses that I've experienced, tragedies and heartbreak and depression that he has set me free from. It doesn't matter if there's music or not. I've got a song that the angels can't sing. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I've got worship in my heart when nothing else is happening in the car. I raise my hands and I say, God, thank you. I wouldn't be here if you hadn't gotten me through. God, I remember when there were no people around, but the presence of the Holy Spirit showed up and brought me through the night. God, I remember when you took my hand and got me through, and I worship God from the inside. Now, I love to be loud and rowdy. I love exciting music. I love the organ. I love the. I love all of this. I love the jumping up and down but that's not my worship my worship is down on the inside of here we went to a service a few weeks ago at the lutheran church and they don't do things like we do but from my heart as they sang out of the book or however they had it i worship from my heart at the words that it said about the risen christ and what he has done for me worship so many christians are trying to make it through on emotion instead of a relationship with Jesus and getting plugged in. It's not enough just to thank God for feelings, but it's not enough just to feel something. I've got to know him. I've got to say, God, here is my day, and first of all, thank you for it. People talking about a bad day. There's no such thing as a bad day. The day isn't bad. There might be bad stuff going on in it, but this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So God, first of all, thank you for the day. And now God, here's what's going on in the day. I've got to talk to God about the day. And I've got to open the Bible and hear what God is saying to me. And a big change that the men have been learning in the Experiencing God study is that I can't make plans and then ask God to bless them. But I have to say, God, what are you doing today, and how do I join you? 
You see, God is always at work around you. He's always working. We're not supposed to figure out what to do for God. We're supposed to look at what God is doing and jump in and do that. But we're never going to know if we don't get plugged in. If we're running on empty and this thing is acting funny because it's a low charge, we're never going to pick up what God is putting down all around us. We're never going to pick up his signal we got to get plugged in. We've got to get plugged in. Now, here's the amazing thing. When you've got your phone or your laptop or your tablet or whatever the case, once you get it plugged in and once it gets that initial charge, if you leave it plugged in, you can use it all day long. And not only will you not deplete it, it will keep charging while you are using it because it's coming from the overflow of the source. You're not even using the charge that you've got. You have tapped into the overflow of the source. You don't have to get depleted. You don't have to get exhausted if you'll stay connected. Somebody grab your neighbor and say, stay connected. Stay connected. So now we look again at our text. I think after our device talk, this will make a lot more sense. Some people have thought that this verse was dealing with salvation and staying in the Lord and being outside of the Lord. How many of you know once I'm saved, I'm saved. That's it. Signed, sealed, delivered. God said it. That settles it. I'm saved. This, this verse does not deal with salvation. This verse deals with a principle. And we've got to know there's a difference between our spirit and our soul. My spirit is holy. My spirit cannot be any holier than it is because it's washed in the blood of Jesus. He killed the old me and gave me a brand new me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are sons and daughters, kings and priests of the Most High God, a royal priesthood and a peculiar people, people in a curious nation. We are washed in spirit-filled and fire-baptized. We are saved, saved, saved. We are cleansed. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We are purchased with a price. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. We are crucified with Christ, but yet we live, but not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. There is nothing wrong with my spirit. My spirit is healed. My spirit is whole. My spirit is prosperous. My spirit is complete. The finished work of the cross is down on the inside of my spirit. Somebody say amen. But my soul, but my soul is, it's a data, it's a, uh, 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 it's a neutral place. It's a neutral place. I can give my soul over to my spirit or I can give it over to my flesh. My soul is like a, a computer, a databank standing in the middle. My soul is full of whatever I give it. You are a spirit. You ought to be able to say this by now. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You're in a body. If we can ever get the three-part, if we can ever get that we are a triune being, it'll answer a whole lot. So my spirit's good. My spirit always stays in Christ, in Christ in me. But my soul, my soul is made up of my mind, my will, 
and my emotions. My soul is a battle zone. It's a battlefield. And it tends toward whatever I give it over to. So now that I understand this, I can understand Jesus when he says, abide in me and I in you. Jesus wants to fill your mind. Jesus wants your mind stayed on him. Abide in me and I in you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Your soul is controlling your body, by the way. You cannot produce anything. You can't do anything of your own accord unless you're staying in Christ, abiding in him. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. And neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine. You're the branches. You are branches off of the vine. If branches don't stay attached to a vine, the branch dies. It can't do anything. What if a branch said, I'm going to pull off of the vine and make flowers by myself? Whatever had blossomed on that vine is going to die because it's not plugged into the source. It will quickly use up all of its nutrients. It will quickly use up all of its water. It will quickly use up everything it's getting from the... It will quickly be dried up because it's not plugged into the vine. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. You see, we're always trying to think of how to do stuff for God. We don't even have to figure that out. We just got to stay in God. If we will stay plugged in, if we will stay connected, again, I'm not talking about this, I'm talking about this. If we will stay connected to him, you don't have to figure out how to produce fruit. Nobody will be able to stop you from producing fruit. You will be spiritually minded. You'll be spiritually minded, spiritually minded instead of carnally minded, and life will flow. You will be on the same page with the Holy Spirit. You will be in the right place at the right time. You'll know the right thing to say. He'll give you the words. You will find yourself taking part in God's work, and you won't even realize you're taking part in God's work until after. You'll look back, and then you'll see how God used you and the fruit that was produced. Anything that we set out to do, that we make a goal and aim for, it just doesn't seem to work like the stuff that happens organically when we flow with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he's a river, you know. When you're on a river, you don't get to decide where to go. You go where the river has already determined. You go where the river is flowing. Your job is only to watch for rocks and stuff along the way. But you get in the flow, and the river takes you where the river is going. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit is rivers of living water. We are supposed to be learning in our Christian life to flow, not force. We are suppo- a friend of ours, Lynn Hiles, wrote the book, uh, Unforced Rhythms of Grace. 
the unforced rhythms of grace. Learning to rest in God, learning to trust in God, learning to connect with God, and then you just find God taking you all kinds of places and doing all kinds of things through you that you wouldn't have been able to think to do. Uh, Ephesians 3 says, and, and now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond what we can ask, think, or even imagine, according to the power that worketh, Stacy, in us, in us. God can do what I can't think to do. God can do what I can't think to ask him for. I plug in, I position myself in God flows through me. Abide in me and I in you. A couple of weeks ago, we saw where Jesus told Martha, remember this? He told Martha, Mary has chosen the good part to sit at my feet, and this will not be taken away from her. Listen to this, Luke 5, 16, talking about Jesus. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Often. It was a regular, constant, consistent practice of Jesus, a principle at work on the inside of him, that he regularly slipped off by himself to commune with the Father. Over and over and over again, whatever was going on, whatever ministry they were doing for that day, Jesus and the disciples, wherever they were going, whatever was happening, Jesus always managed to get off in a private place, the wilderness. He would get off in a private place, and he would pray. I think it's funny that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, believed that he could not be successful and victorious without constantly getting alone with the Father to pray, and yet some of us are trying to do this thing without getting alone with the Father to pray. If Jesus had to meet with the Father to get it done in 2023 in this country, you're going to have to get alone with the Father and pray to get this thing done. He himself often withdrew. That shows intention. That shows purpose. That shows saying no to some stuff so you can say yes, come on, to some other stuff. He withdrew. He made a decision. I'm going to excuse myself now. I'm going to step out now. I'm going to go over here now. He himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. He knew the necessity of the time with the Father especially because of the constant drain, because of the constant drain. Let's read the verse that comes before it, with it. Verse 15, Luke 5, 15. However, the report went around concerning Jesus all the more. Everybody was talking about him and what was going on. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of, of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus always connected the necessity of the inside 
with the drain of the outside. Jesus always paid attention to how the elements outside will drain you, and so you have to go and refuel and refill and replenish. Jesus was mindful of this. We are daily drained by the influence of the world. We are daily drained by the influence of the world. Jesus said, I send you out as sheep among wolves. We're not, you know, people through the years, people have tried to build all Christian communities. That doesn't work out real <laughs> well. It usually ends up with uh, a whole lot of SWAT teams and stuff storming a compound. And But people have tried to say, oh, we'll just build this Christian utopia, and we'll just do Jesus said, no, I send you out. Jesus said, I send you out. You're in the world. You're not of the world. But you're in the world. He said, I send you out like sheep amongst wolves. He said, you, you, you come home from work crying to Jesus about wolves. And he says, yeah, I sent you there. <laughs> Say, God, did you know? Did you know there are wolves over there? He said, yeah, I saw them. That's why I sent you. I intentionally put you over there because there are wolves. Haven't we done this long enough to pick up on the pattern? We've been saying, God, help me to escape the wolves. And he says, actually, I was sending you there. God is trying to send you into the thing you're asking him to deliver you from. Many times. Many times. The world is always going to be the world. Sinners are sinners. So what do we do? We go out, but then we withdraw often into a wilderness, into a solitude, and we pray, and we pray. We are daily drained by the influence of the world. This soul is drained by the outside, so it has to be filled up by Jesus on the inside. It's no different than our physical bodies being depleted from working hard. If I did what Chris does, I would be very, very exhausted and scared from walking across steel beams on, you know, great big buildings and stuff, 200 foot in the air. What we put our bodies through, we become drained. For about six or seven months now, I've been working out, and uh, Chris does not slow down for me to learn how. I just have to jump in and hold on. Now, I don't put the same weight on the bar that he's putting on there, but I'm doing what he's doing. And I've experienced different kinds of tired and exhaustion in places I didn't even know I had in the last six months as we work our bodies. Now, here's what's important. I can't do chest every day at the gym. Or I would destroy myself. So I have to do chest and then do arms. And then do legs. And I don't skip leg day. And then do back and do shoulders. I have to do these things. And then by next week, those muscle groups have rested. They have to be replenished. I got to drink a bunch of protein. I got to drink a bunch of creatine. I got to do all that. I got to drink a whole bunch of water. I got to replace electrolytes. Got to do all these things to rest those areas that are drained. But in my Christian life, 
when this gets drained, a lot of times I try to get up tomorrow and do the same thing again without giving this a break. I don't put any Holy Ghost electrolytes back in it. I, I don't put any blood of the cross protein back into this head of mine. I don't eat the bread of heaven. I don't drink living water. And day after day, I'm stripping this thing and breaking it down. It can never get rebuilt. So I have to withdraw often. I have to abide in him and let him abide in me so that I can bear fruit because apart from him, I can do nothing. It's no different than our physical bodies being depleted from work. It's no different than our minds being exhausted and then having to get some sleep. Our soul is drained and it needs recharged. Get plugged in. Amen. Amen. And hopefully, with our phone, which I already know the answer to this, hopefully we don't decide whether or not to charge our phone based on whether or not it's still on. Oh, it's still on. I don't need to charge it. Hopefully, that's not how we make our decision. Nope, phone's on. Don't need to charge it. If I, don't char- if I consider my phone full just because it's on, I'm in for a surprise when I need it. Because it can work almost empty. So I hope that we're not waiting. Well, it hasn't shut off yet. No reason to charge. Yes, there is a reason to charge it. Because we've got an important call coming. And we don't want to drop it in the middle. Come on, somebody. This is, this is a good New Year's message. <laughs> we don't check if it's on. We check the battery. We're not supposed to plug in because we crash. We're supposed to plug in so we don't. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In June, just before June, the Lord told us six months of harvest a season of harvest for the last six months of 2022, but that at midnight, last night, that that would close out and we would start a season of discipleship. It's time to grow. It's time to grow. I'm not saying that we won't grow in number. We probably will. But God's heart right now is to grow those that are here. I don't just want to fill another seat. I want to see everybody that's here filled with Jesus. It's it's not enough... It's not enough to get people in the building if we don't get them in the kingdom. And it's not enough to get them in the kingdom if we don't get them full of the kingdom. It's not enough just for somebody to recognize that this is true. I want to yield my life to him. I want to yield to the Holy Spirit. I want to yield to his word, to his precept. I want to yield to the heart of the Father. 
I want to yield to his plan and his purpose and what he's doing around me. I, I want to be part of winning my community. You want to know what God's doing? He's trying to win every single person and get them filled with Jesus. And I want to be part of it. So I have to get plugged in. There are some incredible things. Actually, they're quite credible. There are some awesome things coming in the next few weeks. I knew that today, I didn't know how many people would be here today. I knew that last night was probably very late, although y'all are here. I knew that last night would probably be very late. I'm very tired. I had no goal of staying up until midnight, and we happened to just be up till midnight. And, uh, and then it was really, really neat. We may have accidentally started a tradition. We, uh, I, was in the, I was in the bathroom shaving. I always do that the night before because it makes me all ill if I do it the day of. So I was shaving, and Rose and the kids come into our bedroom. Deacon got a record player for Christmas. He wanted a record player and a bunch of vinyl, right? Oh, there's no sound like it. And so uh, he got the Thriller album and uh, Bodyguard, the Bodyguard soundtrack, uh, Disney sing-along, and the miseducation of Lauren Hill. If you know, you know. So anyway, uh, he brought the record player in. They were listening to records and everything. It was just almost midnight. And they asked me if I was almost done, and I was. And I went in there, and we all sat there. And we'd never done like a big New Year's resolution kind of thing. But we all just sat there on the bed and talked about things from this past year. And there are things you hope to accomplish in this year. What are some ways we want to grow? What are some things? And it was so neat, just the four of us, sitting there with Lauren Hill singing and talking about what we hoped would happen in this, in this coming year. It was precious. There are some tremendous things coming this year. There will be hard times this year. There will be all just like every year, just like every year. But it is so neat because something about the new year gives us permission. God doesn't think today is any more special than yesterday. But just something about it, we give ourselves permission to say bye and to make some changes but we cannot make any of those changes of ourselves. We can only do more if we are abiding in him. I didn't know how many people would be here today. And so I haven't even given you the first message of the year yet. We're going to hit the ground running in the next couple of weeks. Uh, trying to think of how much of a teaser I should give. Just a little. Little, little tiny teaser. I'll, I'll give you the theme for the year. We always have a theme. The theme is this. Let's go to church. Let's go to church. This country used to go to church. Oh, God, be careful. In the last however many years that began to change, but something really terrible happened when COVID happened. Now, we didn't see it here. Of course, we got a crazy Holy Ghost revival party. We don't, we don't really fit. We should not be included in the statistic because we're different. But after the pandemic, 50% of churchgoers in America 
I'm not talking about people who just claim Christianity. I'm talking about regular, long time, your family been in church. Generational. 50% of churchgoers didn't return. In three to four months' time of being at home, watching it on a screen or not, just that few weeks, just that few weeks, and they didn't return. And then in a short time, 10% more dropped, and then 20. That now, that now, only 30% of church attenders are going to church anymore anymore worldwide statistically you can watch the decline of people moving further and further away from the church and further and further away from the unit which is the family which that's the enemy's goal to destroy is to get rid of mom and dad and kids the family Rick sent me a beautiful article sad article but beautifully written well documented I should say a few weeks ago about that decline people going away and away and away and much of the church in America and around the world have kind of submitted to this and accepted it well we just kind of do with what we've got not at the river no we are going to break the norm and do the opposite we are going to shatter the statistic and even if it's only here we're going to bring an awakening and we're going to see it go the other direction because people are the same today as they have been for 7,000 years. Humanity is the same. The insides are the same. The problem is the same. And the answer is the same. And the gospel still works. Jesus still works. The blood still works. The cross still works. So we're going to turn it around. And we are setting the theme. I believe the Lord gave it to me. I didn't just make it up. We are setting the theme for this year. Let's go to church. We're going to be talking about reverence for the house of God. We're going to be talking about the seriousness of the attitude of people in years past about God and his work in gathering together. And the thing I may be the most excited about, we're getting ready to start teaching you every human being. Have you ever felt like you can't understand the Bible? I, I just can't understand it. There are some very simple, practical principles, very simple, that if somebody had told us years ago, we would understand the Bible. We're getting ready to teach you. We are going to teach you the lens by which you read the Bible, and you'll say, oh, I get it now. I understand. Those of you that have struggled to read the Bible, you're going to love reading the Bible. It's not going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight to keep you away from your Bible. You're going to get mad at people for messing up your Bible times. i got to read my Bible. This is going to be an awesome, awesome year for our growth in the Lord. You're going to be so close to Jesus with your soul like never, ever before. All right, that's, that's the teaser for the rest of the year. I'm done today. I've said what the Lord wanted me to say. Get plugged in. Give the Lord a hand clap. Stand on your feet. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org 
and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.